Podcast. Tonight we have with us one of the lovely ladies from Elite Vixens Paranormal, or EVP, based out of Nashville, Tennessee, Chanel Stevens. But before we bring Chanel on, let's talk a little bit about Nashville. Nashville is the capital and most populous city in the state of Tennessee. The city is a county seat of Davidson County and is located on the Cumberland River. The city's population ranks 24th in the United States, and according to a 2017 estimate from the U.S. Census Bureau, a total consolidated city-county population stood at 691,243. Named for Francis Nash, a general of the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War, the city was founded in 1779. The city grew quickly due to its strategic location as a port on the Cumberland River. Nashville succeeded with Tennessee during the American Civil War, and in 1862, it was the first state capital of the Confederacy to fall to Union troops. After the war, the city reclaimed its position and developed a manufacturing base. Nashville is the center for the music, healthcare, publishing, banking, and transportation industries, and it is also home to numerous colleges and universities such as Tennessee State, Vanderbilt, Belmont University, Fisk University, and Lipscomb University. It is also considered to be a capital for country music. You never have to look far for haunted locations in Nashville. First we have the Ryman Auditorium, or the Grand Ole Opera House. Originally built in 1892 as a Union Gospel Tabernacle, this well-known home of country music is said to be haunted by the ghost of Hank Williams Sr. His voice has been heard singing his songs. The apparition of a Confederate soldier has also been reported here, as well as footsteps and doors that close by themselves. Next is the Hermitage. It was settled by Nathaniel Hayes in 1780, and Hayes sold the farm to Andrew Jackson in 1804 for $3,400. Jackson built the federal-style two-story brick home around 1820, and he came back here after his presidency term ended in 1837 and ultimately died here in June of 1845. The property fell into disrepair until 1889 when the Ladies' Hermitage Association took on the project to restore it. Some of the ladies spent the night here and were awakened by sounds of pots and pans and dishes being thrown around the kitchen, heavy chains being dragged across the front porch, and someone riding a horse up and down the stairs. Apparitions and voices have also been heard here. The Hermitage has been open to the public as a museum since 1889. Finally, we have the Two Rivers Mansion and Golf Course. People have reported seeing apparitions in the mansion and having items move around the building. The lights turn on and off at night, and people have reported seeing strange lights from across the golf course moving around the house. Disembodied footsteps and strange laughter are heard on the fairways of the golf course, and strange noises are heard at the rear of the course late at night. The golf course was previously a Civil War battleground and a native burial ground as well. People have reported seeing the shadowy figures of those who have died roaming the golf course late at night. Now, help me welcome to the Para-Unity Podcast, Chanel Stevens, for a first-hand look at some great haunted locations and some insight into the science of paranormal investigations used in Nashville, Tennessee. Chanel, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate you being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, Chanel, what got you interested in the paranormal? Well, I actually grew up in a haunted house. Um, I'm originally from York, Pennsylvania, and um, my house that I grew up in is like 150 years old. So 
So my entire life, um, I was actually always around paranormal activity. But of course, as a child, my father kind of hid it from me. And he never explained it. But I always had like weird feelings. And I was terrified, even from like around the age of like four to go upstairs by myself, because I always felt like I was being watched. And I really got into paranormal when I was about 17 years old because I started watching paranormal TV shows. They were in their infancy then. And so, like, I started to notice, like, trends of things that, like, I was learning from watching the TV shows. And I'm like, well, this is kind of what's – and so I went to my dad. And I was like, um, Dad, like, is our house haunted? And he's like – he's like – he's he says to me <sighs> – Sorry, I'm going to I'm trying to quote quote it correctly. Sure. But my dad was like, I'm going to tell you the same thing that your grandmother told me. Um, he was like, they've always been here. They're not going to bother you. And so like for that, that was like an awakening for me. And that's actually how I got into the paranormal. That's definitely a heavy hammer to kind of get hit with from your dad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess that he just felt that. I wasn't mature enough to understand or that I would have been scared. Um, and I think that that's actually helped me to not be scared on investigations. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Especially having somebody tell you that, yeah, they're there and no, they're not going to hurt you. I mean, that really kind of gives you a boost of confidence. It really does on investigations because I can go into a place with known activity um, and I can hear, you know, things and see things and all of that. And it doesn't scare me. The only thing that I actually am scared of in the field is actually demons. And the reason that I'm scared of those is really because I don't completely understand them yet. Um, and I know that possessions are an actual thing. So that's what I'm afraid of. But other than that, you know, if I'm at a typical house with like just residual energy, you know, I I know that they're not going to harm me. Yeah, and I mean, I'm the same way, too. I mean, I've been doing this for 13 years, and, you know, demons still are something that if I hear that they have them in their house before we go and investigate, I kindly bow myself out because that's just something that I just don't feel comfortable dealing with. Right. So how long have you been investigating? Um, well, I've been a researcher since I was 17, Um but I didn't actually join an official team until about a year, year and a half ago um, and do actual field research on a team, like professionally, I guess is the way you could put it. Um, I've been, you know, I've read books, I've watched documentaries, all of that. I've really done it for, you know, the last almost 20 or so years. Um, but like I said, actual, my first field investigation was in uh, 2005. Um, but it wasn't even like on a professional scale. It was just me and some friends and uh, we went to Eastern St. Penitentiary, um, which was pretty phenomenal. Um, cause of course I still lived in Pennsylvania back then. And then, like I said, I've been on a professional team for about the last year and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely a good place to cut your teeth on it. If you're trying to get into the paranormal. Yeah. ESP is phenomenal. Yeah. What kind of stuff did you guys find when you were there? Um, you know, just your typical, like, you know, just, really just like noises i can't remember because once again it was a really long time ago i got some pretty cool pictures that are buried in a box somewhere because we still printed pictures back then <laughs> um, but yeah it wasn't 
it wasn't anything like, it, you know, like no full body apparitions or anything like that. Just like, you know, random noises and, oh, did you hear that? And you know what I'm saying? So, sure. but it's still cool. Just overall awesome experience. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it. I've never been there, but I've always wanted to go. Oh, it's phenomenal. Like if you get the opportunity to, it's really cool. We, uh, we did their daytime tour because they do a daytime tour. Um, and it's like, well, back then, I guess it was like, nine bucks something like that a person and you got to walk the grounds and everything and it's just you just get like an appreciation of it because you know being in this field we kind of also have to be history buffs yep absolutely and you know so just like yeah so like all the history and everything behind it it was really pretty cool so yeah pretty cool place definitely got to check it out yeah it's on my bucket list so your team and i love your Mm -hmm. guys's concept with it it's 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 an all ladies team and I, I think that's the greatest thing to have out there because it seems like like a lot of things in the world it's it's kind of a male dominated um, science right now absolutely and so to get teams yes. of all ladies out there you know like you guys like mm-hmm. some of the other teams that I've talked to too I, I just think it's awesome that you guys are doing that um, tell me a little bit about your ladies well um, there's six of us on our team. Right now, we um, actually just added our six not that long ago. So uh, I'll just start with, I guess, me and Samantha. Uh, Samantha and I, we were on a previous team together. And she had, you know, come to me with an idea. So, you know, it would be really awesome to do, like, you know, our like an all-female team. And I'm, like, totally down for that. And uh, so, of course, we were on that team. And then some things happened on that team. And, um, that was the point in time where we decided to split, um, and, you know, just formulate our own team. And so we have me, me and Samantha Glum. She's, uh, the co-founder of this actually was, like I said, her brainchild. And, uh, then we also had Kayla Cormier. She was on the previous team with us as well. And Kayla had actually left that other team because she had some life going on. You know, we all have lives outside of this and um so you know when we came up with evp um we're like hey you want to come do this thing and she was completely on board and then uh we had jessica ward uh who i actually didn't know prior but samantha did samantha and jessica worked together at um one of the local area haunted houses one halloween season and um so yes so then you know jessica just kind of had like a an interest you know, in like all things horror. So we're like, Hey, you want to come do this? And she's like, totally down. And then, um, we actually brought Augusta on back in February. Um, she was going to help us out because we were supposed to have a photo shoot and she was going to help us out. And we just really liked her energy. And, uh, you know, so I had actually went to Samantha cause we were discussing adding like a fifth at that point in time. And I was like, what do you think if we brought Gus, you know, she's granted she's got no experience but that's fine you know because we could like train her and teach her and uh so yeah that's how Gus came to join us and then our newest member is Kayla Gaynor and she also was on the previous team with us um but she had only ever been on one investigation um with that previous team and then she also had some life happen so we actually just added her I think she's only been with us like two or three weeks. Like it's pretty new having her on this team. So, 
Um, and we all decided that we wanted to, like you said, you know, we feel that females are very underrepresented in the, in the industry. And, um, you know, we wanted to come and do this thing as like, we can do this just as good as the boys can. We can do it the same. We'll do it scientifically. And that's the basis of our team is we do things, you know, like I said, at the root scientifically, we use the, the equipment and all that kind of fun stuff to do things just the same and just to kind of prove that, hey, women aren't helpless in this field. And a lot of times, it, like if you look at even even the TV shows, there's always a man. Even if the TV show is like medium based and it's based around an entire medium, there's always a man there. And we've actually run into some, I guess, like, and not not necessarily animosity, that's the incorrect word, but some questioning from others in the field, like, wait a minute, so do everything by themselves? And, and um, somebody had actually, we heard through the grapevine that somebody had heard about us and they were like, who does their tech? And we're just like, we do our own tech. Like <laughs> we do it all. The only thing that we really don't do at this point in time is our own video editing. Um, and that's only because none of us really have any experience with it. Um, but in the future, maybe we'll do our own video editing, editing before right now we actually do outsource that. But as far as the actual investigations, the, uh, evidence review, set up, tear down, we, event planning, I guess you could say, or, you know, hunt planning, all of that. We do everything on our own. Um, and our mission really is just to really be representative of the females within the industry. I completely agree with you 100%. I, you know, the women are really re- underrepresented in this. And one of the things that people don't realize with women doing the investigations is, you know, spirits make connections to people and, I don't think they realize that, you know, with women, you know, they have that motherly instinct. And depending on the types of spirits you're dealing with, whether it's something that, you know, maybe it didn't have the best relationship with its parents growing up, or if it's a child spirit, you know, they're going to make that connection to the motherly side of the women, and they're going to be getting better responses just because of, you know, being a lady. And I don't think people understand that, that, you know, it's – I'm the type of person I think it's completely invaluable to have, you know, men, women, other nationalities or ethnic groups all on a team together because that's going to give you the best responses. Right. Absolutely. I agree with that. You know, diversity you're, – you're absolutely correct. You know, diversity – spirits are going to connect with those that they're comfortable with and having that diversity definitely – you know, makes for a good investigation. Um, we've noticed, you know, the, and I think that there's like an actual theory within the field that, you know, children's spirits are definitely more drawn to women. Um, especially if we're mothers and on my team, four of us are mothers. Um, and so like the spirits, especially when you're dealing with children, like they can pick up on that and they just know that's a mom. And so the, like, the EVP sessions will be better and they'll be more interactive and even like the spirit box sessions, you know, you'll get a lot more responses. The flip side of that is that a lot of times 
sometimes like male spirits will react negatively to female spirits or to female uh, investigators. Very true. Um, Yeah. So that's the other side of it. And it's like dealing with that negativity is it kind of can put the investigator in a little bit more of a um, like a dangerous position, I guess, for lack of a better term. But at the same time, your evidence is going to be so much stronger because of that. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I've heard people say in the past that even if it's a negative energy or negative interaction, it's still an interaction, and that's what we're there for. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. So you guys are down in Nashville, Tennessee. What's some Mm -hmm. good haunted locations down there in Nashville? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Nashville. The number one place, if I could investigate anywhere in Nashville, is the Nashville State Penitentiary. Um, It's currently closed. You can't get in it. Samantha has a connection. We've tried. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the Nashville State Penitentiary, that place is just, it's just phenomenal. I mean, I personally, I got a thing for penitentiaries. I like them. I like to investigate them. Um, But it's just, you know, that's where the Green Mile, the movie The Green Mile was filmed. And it's just, it's so like spooky looking and just ominous looking. And, you know, you know, with how many people were in and out of that place that there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff that's probably still continuing to go on within the building. Um, and then, of course, like if you go to Franklin and Murfreesboro, where a lot of like the Civil War activity happened um, here in Murfreesboro, you know, we had the Stones River Battlefield and that was a major battle in the Civil War as well as, I think, the Battle of Franklin. Um, if you go some places that, like, depending on, like, what you've watched, I'm sure you've heard places like Craigfont Manor in Castilian Springs. I actually used to live right up the street from Craigfont Manor, um, and that's just a little bit east of Nashville, um, Wynwood, out in, like, the Bledsoe area, because that's where Nashville was originally, like, well, like, Middle Tennessee was, those are, like, the oldest settlements or actually not in Nashville, the city, but um, a little, little bit east in, like, the Cumberland River. And uh, so that's, like, Gallup Creek area. Um, See, so yeah, there's a lot there. It's, uh, let's see, the Sam Davis house in Smyrna, um, in Murfreesboro, there's the Oakland Mansion. I mean, any of, really, any of the old, like, standing plantation places, um, the Hermitage is in Nashville. You know, those are all just filled with so much history. And especially when you tie in like the traumatic events that happened at a lot of these locations, just, just phenomenal. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah, pretty cool stuff. (laughs) Plus if you like country music, this is the place to come. Also, if you like to go to like a bar, this is the place to come. That's what Nashville's known for. That's right. You get a little bit of drinks, you get a bit of little country music, and you get a lot of bit of ghosts. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, that is a lot yep. of places. Well, the thing with Nashville is that Nashville itself was actually settled right around like the uh, turn of the century, like 1700s and 1800s, like right after the Re- Revolutionary Wars when Nashville was settled. And so, you know, there's a lot of history here. And, you know, when you take the age of, you know, the settlements. Cause I think like Woodland Manor was settled sometime in like, I want to say the late 1600s or something like that. Um, you know, so like when you take just the amount of history 
and the length of time, you know, like it's, and that doesn't even actually count Native American spirits that are still here. So there's just a lot, a lot going on. It's pretty, makes it pretty awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, what would you say your favorite place to investigate is? Oh, my favorite place. You know, I got to tell you, I've been to Octagon Hall in Franklin, Kentucky. I've been there twice now. And both times, just phenomenal. Like, during, for instance, when we were there the last time in March, um, even during tech setup, it was literally just me and Augusta in the house. And the house was built in, like, the 18, I think it got finished in, like, 1854. And so it's just me and Augusta in the house. And I'm downstairs. I'm, like, near base command. She's upstairs setting cameras up. And I hear singing. And so I was like, okay. So I go upstairs. And I was like, hey, Gus. I was like, were you just singing? And she was like, no. She's like, I've been setting this camera up. You know, and that was, we hadn't even begun any type of investigation. That was probably around five o'clock at night, you know, because we actually didn't start investigating until later on. And I mean, for like that activity to already be going on, you know, it's, that's just awesome. And, uh, it's, it's Octagon Hall is never a letdown. It's always, always amazing. And, uh, can I shameless plug? Sure. <laughs> okay. So, and like, if you go into like our YouTube channel, um, you know, you can see the evidence that we, like the really like, yeah, just the evidence that we caught there. And that's only a snippet of what we caught. Um, you know, we had like a 15 minute video on there of the activity that we got down in the kitchen, which is significant because they're the daughter that actually passed away there. Her name is Mary Elizabeth. She called fire in the kitchen in the main house. And then she actually died from her wounds like three days later up in her bedroom, which is two floors up. Um, and so, like, just the the activity that we had with the REM pod, and it was intelligent activity. And like I said, it's only a snippet of what we experienced while we were there. Well, you're telling me a little bit about your Octagon Hall. And I, I, I heard you mention, and, you know, it sounds like you guys do a lot of work with your spirit boxes, with your EVP sessions, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned your REM pod. What other, mm-hmm. What's some of the other equipment that you ladies like to use? Well, we have a lot. I mean, a lot of this stuff, we we don't, like, have an SLS camera yet. That's a uh, future goal is to invest in one of those. Um, so, really, we have our handheld camcorders. We have our DVR system. Um, we always take our laptop. Um, well, my laptop, because my laptop is really only for the team. Um, so, we always take my laptop. That, then we can dump evidence if we need it. Of course, handheld um the voice recorders, handheld cameras. Um, we have the the thermal, um, like, temperature thing, you know, that shoots a little laser. Um, okay. we, have, uh, we have two K2 meters. We have a REM pod. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, EMF detectors. And, yeah, I think that's all of our equipment yes. that we have right now. Um like I said, we'd like to, uh, a future goal is to actually invest in a, um, we'd really love like an Ovulus, um, and an SLS camera is like my dream piece of equipment personally. Sure. I mean, I, I'm kind of a tech junkie and I, I buy a lot of equipment, you know, usually mm-hmm. I'm like, I see something new and it's like, oh, that's so cool. I, I, I need to buy it. Yeah. Um, but 
I have an SLS camera and I, you know, I absolutely love it. The only problem is, is, you know, when we get into like businesses and stuff, it, you, you, some of them you can't really use it in just because like if you're in right. like, we did a, we did a little boutique shop at one point and I couldn't use it anywhere in the shop because it kept picking up the shapes of people off the clothes hanging on the racks. Um, right. But, and we can get into a little bit of a debate here, but like as for the ovulus, I'm I'm not really uh-huh. a fan. I mean, have you guys ever had a chance to use one before? We have not. Um, we actually, like, even with our old team, and they had all kinds of, like, techie equipment that, um, you know, we don't have. They didn't even have one. Um, but they're just, they're just kind of cool. Like, I, I guess without playing with one, like you said, you know, like, oh, I have to have one of those. You know, so it might just be that thing without actually playing with one. Um, you know, we have other people in the field that have used them and, you know, just absolutely swear by them. They're the greatest things ever. You know, then, of course, you have other people like yourself that are like, eh, you know, they're cool and all. You know? Yeah, because I have, I have the Ovulus 5B, so which is like one of the newer ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So it, it does all the different things where it can uh, – where you, it, it's, it says that, you know, the spirit can, like, kind of draw a picture on the screen. It, um, it, mm-hmm. it can, um, it, you can ask, you can ask, like, true or false questions or yes or no questions, and it'll move the little thing on the screen to either the yes or the no. Um, you know, it'll tell you any, it'll have it pop up words out of the dictionary. Um, mm-hmm. and then it also, which I like to use it for, is it has a, uh, it has a, a setting on there where it, it's almost like a sensor, like a motion, not necessarily a motion sensor, but like a vibration sensor. So, if, like, if you walk by it mm-hmm. or if you touch it or something, it'll it'll sense that and it'll do almost like a heart monitor spike on the screen, which I like using it for that. But, I mean, personally for me, I've never had much luck with them because I'll be in places that are known to not be haunted and just from the mm-hmm. the the radio waves or the EMF waves that are in the room, generally, it'll get it to trigger off and it'll start just spurting random words that you right. know have make absolutely no sense. Right, and that's a really interesting point actually that you bring up is you know when you're talking about the sensitivity of equipment, um, we learned with actually at the hall our REM pod kept like we would set it we we initially had it set up in the one room and that's known to have like a dark entity and we had a camera on the REM pod and it just kept going off like for no reason and we actually spent like a good probably like 45 minutes reaching out to different contacts like hey what triggers this you know why would this just be like steadily have you if you've ever used a REM pod you know they just they'll beep and then they have like a steady beep and it's like, it's just steady beeping for like, you know, 30 seconds. And that's not indicative of spiritual activity. That's indicative of something interfering with it. So during that investigation, we had to, like I said, reach out to other people and be like, what's going on with our stuff? <laughs> you know, cause we had never used one before. Is that, um, your, if you guys use walkie-talkies at all, mm-hmm. um, those interfere really bad with REM pods. Yeah. Yeah, and we um, we actually, 
like on our YouTube channel, like I said, on the video, you see the REM pod like taking because we had somebody who um, was on our team and um, she's no longer with us. Um, and like she would use the walkie and the REM pod would spike and she would use because she was a little bit like, honestly, she was a little bit scared, which is understandable. Um, you know, she had never been on an investigation before. And um, so she actually like because I was upstairs with Jessica, we were at base command watching the cameras and um, Samantha, Kayla, that girl and Augusta were downstairs in the basement. And she was like, one of us had said something about, is it the walkie trip in it? And so she did like a test. She was like, this is a walkie check to see if it trips. And it didn't trip that time. But later on after analyzing, we're like, yeah, that was definitely the walkie because she was just on it so much. So, well, and I learning mean, curves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, honestly, I don't blame her, especially if it's her first investigation. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. can, I can, I can see that. Our biggest thing was yeah. that how we, how we realized it was we were in a theater and we had um, had the REM pod sitting on the stage. We had a group that was backstage like way backstage and then we mm-hmm. were we were up in one of the balconies and we were radioing radioing in saying hey let's you know let's meet up to take break and as soon as we hit that up and started talking that REM pod just went, and so it's like oh yeah. my goodness wait a minute what's going on right and so we kind of clicked the button a few times and every time we clicked it it's it triggered it off so yeah and i also learned that if you're in a close enough range with a k2 meter and it's because uh, I, I came home and I did testing and because, you know, trying to be empirical here. <laughs> and uh, so, like, if you're in a close enough range with a K2 meter, the K2 meter will trip when the person, it, if the person who's calling the other person, you know what I'm saying, like hits the button, the K2 meter will trip if you're within, like, I think I figured out it's like 18 inches. So we've actually set up a uh, – a new, I guess, rule or whatever that, you know, whoever has a K2 meter does not hold a walkie. And um, the other thing is, is that anybody with cell phones, unless we're Facebook living, they need to be at base command because we learned from a previous investigation that cell phones will really trigger some uh, interesting things to happen. I'm making go, hmm. Yep. We always, our rule is we always put our phones onto airplane mode before we start. Yeah, that's the thing I've heard is airplane mode. Yep. One thing, one piece of equipment that I'll, I'll recommend to you um, that actually I'd recommend getting more so than the Ovilus, it's a uh, it's called a TIR sensor. It's, a, mm-hmm. it, it's an infrared sensor that monitors movement, and it has like a, um, like a crosshair on it. Mm-hmm. And what it does is, is it has a sensor out the front that you can set it up so it it baselines off whatever ambient temperatures in front of it. So you can have it just pointing into a room. You can mm-hmm. have it pointing at like a chair or something, or you can even have it pointing at a person. And whatever whatever it baselines on, that's you know that's the baseline for it. And um, if anything, oh, that's really cool. Yep, and if anything moves between that sensor and its baseline target, it'll show up either cold for or blue for cold or red for hot, right. and you can see exactly what direction if it's moving towards it or away from it, or if it's moving left to right. Oh, that's awesome! And those are fairly inexpensive. I know, I know, for sure, it was under two hundred dollars. So. 
Yeah, that's not bad then. Yeah, for under $200. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a really cool piece of equipment. So you guys, you know, like we've been talking about, have a good spread of equipment that you use with your team. Mm -hmm. What would you say your favorite piece is? My favorite piece, I'm going to go very old school here. My favorite piece of equipment is the old classic voice recorder. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you have any, like, tips or tricks for using them? Um, well, yeah, if you're on an investigation, make sure that you definitely let everybody know that you are doing an EVP session um, because otherwise they're so sensitive and they can pick up they can pick up a police car four miles away if the sirens are loud enough. So, you know, if if you're in a, in a building that's like old and echoey and all of that, like make sure you let everybody know, hey, yeah, we're in an EVP session because otherwise it's really going to cloud your footage. Um, but, yeah, I, I love, love listening and like just reviewing it. And when it comes to reviewing the voice recorders, I got to be honest with you, any time that I get like a whisper or something that I know is not my team members, it will give me chills because it's exciting. And to know that you, you know, we have that hardcore documented evidence of, hey, nobody said this, nobody was here, I was all by myself, etc. And yeah, it's, it's exciting and a little bit exhilarating. I, I feel exactly the same way. I We've had some EVP sessions that we've gotten some stuff out of them that I mean, just your your jaw your jaw drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I know that there was an investigation that I was on a couple months ago, and I was isolated. I was by myself, and like all of a sudden, I'm reviewing the footage, and I just hear this whisper, "Hey!" Like it was just like just a "Hey!" And I was like, I was like alone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I, I got so excited. I'm like, "Hey, guys, listen to this." And, you know, it's it's just really cool. And especially when just getting that hardcore stuff, you know, it's, uh, it's awesome. You can hear the excitement in my voice right now talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, do you guys, when you do your investigations, do you guys team up or do you like each take a certain area or how do you do it? A combination of both. Um, we believe that it's actually unsafe to be completely by yourself. So even if... Like, we're going to put somebody down in a little hole, at least one of us with them, whether or not we go down that hole with them, that's different, but we're going to be close enough, you know, just for safety reasons, especially because we do deal with a lot of old dilapidated buildings. Um, so, yeah, safety, we, we tend to, like I said, we typically stay in partners. We will isolate, but, but there's always somebody within, you know, a couple of feet. Um, so, yeah. Like I said, I've been I've been in solitary confinement by myself, um, not literally, like not in like you know not in like investigating a prison, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I've been stuck by myself, and it's just like okay, all right, this is cool, you know. Yeah, it definitely gets the adrenaline going. The, yeah, that'll keep you awake. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, you know, Chanel, I appreciate you giving me some time tonight. We're actually at the end of yeah, our definitely. time already. Um, so, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Yeah, well, like I said, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been it's been a great talking to you. Yeah, well, you have yourself a good night, okay? All right, you do too. Thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thanks again to Chanel Stevens with Elite Vixens Paranormal for being our guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in.
please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes or whatever directory you listen to us on. It means a lot to us, and we want to hear your feedback to help make our show just a little bit better. My name is Brandon, and you've been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal teams a little closer together, the Para Unity Podcast.